I think there's just um, a greater openness to letting composers say what they have to say and judge it on that, on the basis of whether it's good or not, or, or whether you enjoyed it or not, rather than does it sound like something I already like. And so you can be pleasantly surprised. One of the coolest early things I saw was uh, I went to the, the Musica Nova Festival my first year here, and they did um, Magnus Lindbergh's Kraft, this, this gigantic piece for, for orchestra with, you know, five soloists and percussion and junkyard percussion, and it's just this kind of really violent sonic assault for about 30 minutes, and the audience just shot to its feet at the end of it like it was a Rachmaninoff piano concerto. And I thought, wow, that's really cool, you know? Uh, and I mean, it was a really visceral piece. I think it has that effect on audiences, but I couldn't really see that happening in North America, people just going with the, the flow that way. That's composer Matthew Whittle talking about one of his early experiences as an audience member at the Musica Nova Festival in Finland. This is one of the great festivals for contemporary music. Matthew had just moved from Canada, and so as he tells it, he tells it so much better than I do. He was really struck by this reaction to that piece cropped by Magnus Lindbergh. We heard just a little bit of it at the top of the program, performed by the Toimi Ensemble with Esa-Pekka Salonen conducting. And I think you can hear what Matthew's talking about. It's definitely a big piece, very, very noisy, a lot of percussion, a lot of things happening all at once. Might have had a mixed reaction to most audiences at best, and yet here in Finland, they literally shoot to their feet and give it a standing ovation. This is something that we definitely saw while we were in Finland. They have an incredible hunger for music of all kinds. They're commissioning composers at every level of their career and then giving them absolutely free reign to write whatever they want, completely regardless of stylistic direction or aesthetic. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead. This is the second in a two-part series called In the Field, Finland. My producer, Jesse McCorders, and I had the great opportunity to travel and be a two-man production team in Finland where we met with composers and performers, publishers, radio station there, you name it, everybody we could think of in the music field. And what we found is that, much as we had suspected, it's no accident that there are so many Finnish composers and performers on the world stage right now. This is actually a concerted decision that the Finnish people made to focus on music, and it all relates back to Jean Sibelius and his forging of the Finnish national identity shortly after their independence from Russia through music. One composer we talked to who's definitely a rising star in the Finnish system is Sebastian Fagerlund. We're going to feature a piece of his for orchestra called Isola. Here's Sebastian to tell us about the title and the music. Well, I mean, it refers both to isolation and then, of course, the word island. And uh, this came from a visit I had to an island in, in the southwest archipelago of Finland, actually. And this was a long time ago, but it was in medieval times it was used as a as an island where they deported women suspected of witchcraft and then people with uh, leprosy, yeah. And, uh, well, it was a very brutal place. I mean, they were allowed only to take some pieces of wood with them to build their own caskets. And then they were left there. And uh, nowadays, it's an absolutely stunningly beautiful island with the old wooden church. When I was visiting there, I, I, I somehow was very, I was struck by this, this emotion of, of, of grand beauty and, and uh, big scenery. But then at the same time, you, all the time, you have the notion of that, that there is big dark forces somehow pushing through. And they are there, under there somewhere. So uh, that's perhaps the, the mental foundation of, of that piece. I mean, it, it's, not a, it's not a descriptive piece in any way that tells a story, but throughout the piece, I mean, you, you have grand orchestral majestic sounds 
that really rules the orchestra, but then from underneath you, you all the time have darker material trying to take over. That's composer Sebastian Fagerlund talking about the piece we're about to have a listen to, Isola, which means in Finnish simultaneously isolation and island. Let's have a listen to the second movement of Isola. We're going to hear the Gothenburg Symphony Orchestra, Dimas Lobodeniak conducting. Thank you. 
I love this idea of the very buoyant surface, and yet underneath are these dark forces. We heard composer Sebastian Fagerlund talking about his inspiration for this music. Isola, it means simultaneously island and also isolation, but he's talking about a very specific island that's very beautiful today, but had many, many dark things happen in the past. We heard the second movement performed by the Gothenburg Symphony Orchestra, Dimas Lobodeniuk conducting. Let's turn now to a piece that features a Finnish folk instrument and some Finnish folk songs. It's something that we haven't had yet. Here's the composer, Juhani Norvala, talking to us in our apartment in Helsinki. He can tell you all about the instrument that's featured and how he uses it in his piece, Toivo. Kantele is a Finnish folk instrument, and it's a, a lot like the zither, but you pluck it with your fingers, and it's, it lays flat on the table. And there's a so-called concert kantele, that has a tuning mechanism, not unlike that of the harp, but it's not pedals, but it's uh, switches. Uh, in this piece of mine, Toivo, small 15-string candele is used, and uh, I've come up with the tuning, especially for this piece. It's tuned in just intonation, using the 11th and the 13th partial in the tuning. So it sounds a bit exotic. And also Eija Kankaranta, the player, uses a large variety of playing techniques uh, in her improvisation, because this basically is an improvised work based on a, on, on a tune. So some of these techniques are uh, familiar from folk, traditional folk music, but some are of her own invention or stolen from Asian music, for instance. Let's have a listen. This is Eija Kankaranta playing the cantala along with some electronics. Music of Yuhani Norvala, a piece called Toivo.
It's rather interesting music there, composed for electronics and a Finnish folk instrument called the kantala, in this case the 15-string kantala. Weird performer Eja Konkuranta performing Toivo by Johanni Norvala. We open the program today with comments by composer Matthew Whittle when he was talking about uh, some of his first experiences in Finland. Let's hear a piece now that he wrote that was one of his first great opportunities in Finland. Here he is to talk about how this came about. Well, that was my first really big orchestra commission. Um, and uh, that was the one that uh, the Radio Symphony ended up commissioning from me. They gave me completely free hands to do it. Um, and so I, I went huge <laughs> in a way. I've always loved the viola. Um, I used to be a horn player myself, uh, and I always thought if somehow I missed, like I should have been a violist. I really love the sound of it. I love the intimacy of it, the kind of human timbral quality to the viola sound. And I always wanted to, to write a concerto for it. And so when, when they offered me this kind of carte blanche to do whatever I wanted, I, I suggested a viola concerto, and they were actually quite excited by that, surprisingly. And what I wanted to do with it is something I kind of always do when I'm writing, especially a soloist vehicle, is to sort of play with the boundaries of what a concerto is or what what you can do with that ensemble. And what I noticed with viola concertos is that they tend to be pretty modest pieces in a way, modest length, modest orchestration. I thought, okay, I really want to blow that apart. And so I ended up using this enormous Mahler-sized orchestra, not to be very loud, but just to have this very kind of deep sound. It's it's actually a really quiet piece for the most part. And it has a very chamber music-like quality, but I wanted to kind of create a sense of vastness in the orchestration that you can only get by having a lot of people on stage. So it's, and it's a really impractical piece. And I did that on purpose in a way because I wanted to make this, not really make a statement, but just given the opportunity, I wanted to just do everything that I, I thought should be done in this kind of piece and with, with what I wanted to do with this sound concept and, and to heck with future performances. And so it's got this huge orchestra, it's got five percussionists, a piano and a harp, and it's got a didgeridoo soloist in it as well uh, and that's something I wrote into the piece as as part of the the concept uh, originally and I because I'd heard this this Finnish guy named Tommy Mansikaho who's a, a brilliant brilliant didgeridoo player who lived in the Australian outback for five years studying the didgeridoo with an aboriginal tribe and I'd heard him on a, a recording with a, a folk band a wonderful Finnish folk band that no longer exists called Gallerhorn and I just called him up and asked him if he'd be interested in participating. And he said, yeah, sure, I can't read music, but it sounds really great. So I had to design this piece around um, around in bringing his sound in, in into the, the orchestra and, and notating it in such a way that he could be, he'd have freedom to improvise and create all these wonderful textures with the didgeridoo, but that would still be coordinated with the rest of the orchestra and with the violist. Uh, and so it was a really kind of challenging piece to write that way. And, and the whole thing is about this idea of voice, of, of singing and kind of singing yourself into existence as, as part of the world, as part of creation. And so I, I spent a long time working on that piece, better part of a year. Um, and that was kind of a really painful process somehow, but uh, getting through that just was a big transitional point for my career. And I really, it's a really kind of personal expression, very private and intimate in many ways, despite the size of it. Composer Matthew Whittle talking about his viola concerto and how it came about. What a great opportunity for him, this commission from the Finnish Radio Symphony Orchestra. And again, I just think it's incredibly remarkable that they give the composer such free reign over the creations that they've commissioned. Well, this is a big piece, so we're going to have as much as we can, but let's hear the viola concerto, The Heaven That Dwells So Deep, by Matthew Whittle. Ilari Angervo is going to be our viola soloist. We'll hear the Finnish Radio Symphony Orchestra with Ernest Martinez Izquierdo conducting. 
That's an excerpt of a piece called The Heaven That Dwells So Deep. It's a viola concerto, although we did hear some didgeridoo in there as well, as we heard the composer Matthew Whittle explaining before we heard the music. That's Alari Angervo, the viola soloist, performing with the Finnish Radio Symphony Orchestra, Ernest Martinez Izquierdo conducting. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. This is part two of a two-part series called In the Field, Finland. You can find out more information about the program on Facebook or on our website at relevanttones.com. I'm featuring music by composers that we interviewed while we were in Finland. Again, my producer Jesse McCorders and I had this incredible chance to travel to Finland and really immerse ourselves in the music scene there. And what a music scene there is, too. Every night we were able to go to a concert or a rehearsal or sometimes just a performance in a bar. This event called Art Goes Kapaka that was happening while we were there put choirs and folk musicians and all kinds of different things in bars around the city. Just a very lively scene. And what we found is that there's no one overall sound in Finland. It's not like there's a style that's predominating. Composers are doing all kinds of different things. And I do think this goes back to this idea, the philosophy that the Finnish Radio Symphony and some of the big commissioners have, which is just commission the composers you like and then give them free reign to do what they want. And of course, the audiences there, I think, are pretty well prepared to handle almost anything. We learned a statistic that almost 100% of Finns have played a musical instrument at one time or another in their lives because music education is absolutely free there. And so I do feel that that prepares them to understand what the composers are doing, to have an interest in and a real affinity for music. It was a very incredible experience, and I would say very inspiring as well to be there and to see this firsthand. We had music earlier for a Finnish folk instrument, the kantala. Let's turn now to a composer who's interested in folk instruments from other countries, very interested in timbres and the sounds that they create. This is Antti Auvinen. Here he is talking to me at the Music Finland offices about his piece, Orior. Orior, which is a piece for uh, for this kind of multi international ensemble called called Atlas Ensemble, which uses some duduks and erhus and there's some uh, lots of different ganon, different ganon and whatever, shaw and sheng and cheng and all these Chinese things and uh, so instruments from China, Japan, Central Asia and Middle East. The timbre comes, of course, with different instruments, not necessarily without, without, not necessarily with extended playing techniques. But if we take musicians from Azerbaijan or somewhere, and they like in that piece there are, and then when they come up with their own culture, with their own musical backgrounds, and try to do my music with my musical background, there's a huge uh, friction there. <laughs> Interesting friction in, in a way and that came out very well there was a big question of motivation like how to motivate these guys who who are not really used to do contemporary western art music but in the end it, it, it went out just fine i learned a lot from them how, how to intonate and how their what kind of ornaments they use and, and their linearity that's something that was really fascinating and the whole concept of time and like the like east let's say Chinese or this traditional concept of time in, in Central Asia, it's, it's a bit different from, our, <laughs> from ours. Let's have a listen to Orior, performed by the Atlas Ensemble. Archim Kim is the conductor.
there's so many different instruments in that piece, so many sounds and timbres. We heard the composer Antti Alvinen talking about that a little bit before we listened. I think it's just a fascinating sound experiment. And I love when he was talking about that learning experience that, well, I guess he had, and so did the ensemble. <laughs> he, in terms of writing for these instruments he had never played before, and them in terms of dealing with extended techniques, which are such a hallmark of Western composers and the compositional style here, but not so much in the East. And so here you have two kinds of artists learning from each other. That's Orior by Antti Alvinen, performed by the Atlas Ensemble, with Archim Kim conducting. The last composer I want to feature on this, our two-part series in the field, Finland, is the composer that we were the most excited to get. And not because he's better than the other composers or anything like that, but just that we were kind of surprised. And it wasn't just us. Everyone that we would talk to in Helsinki would express surprise and say, wow, you got him. That's amazing. Congratulations. And then they would say, email me. Tell me how it went. I really would like to hear how that interview went. And I think that's partly because of his quasi-legendary status in Finnish music, but it's also because it coincided with the publication of this enormous apparently tell-all biography that it seemed everyone in Helsinki was reading. So it was really an honor to be able to line up this interview with Eino Juhani Rautavara. He is one of the last living links to Sibelius, an incredible composer in his own right, and he taught many of the composers that we featured on this show. He's had an enormous influence in Finnish music. It was also an honor to get to speak with him because a recent stroke has left it difficult for him to talk, and so a lot of people were surprised that he would talk to us in the radio medium. But talk to us he did, and he's an incredible presence. The piece I want to feature is called Cantus Arcticus. It is absolutely one of his very famous and most performed pieces of all time. Here he is speaking to me at his home near the Baltic Sea about the genesis of this music. I had a commission to write a cantata for the University of Oulouis, far north, almost in Lapland. And they have a university there. They wanted the festivities to open the new university and they wanted a cantata. Now I, I wanted to take that commission, of course, but uh, I thought, again, you write a cantata and chorus and orchestra. Then they perform it once in that festivity. Then you hear Nelebe. That's always, always the fate of cantatas. And then it happened that the conductor in Oulu was going to be the conductor of the cantata. He called me by phone and he said, please, could you be careful with that choral part of your work? Because my course is not, not in very good shape. And don't try anything too difficult for them. That very moment in the phone, I had the idea. I said to him, I don't need your damn course at all. I will, I will write this, this concert for birds. I don't know from where that idea came. And it felt very very strange for myself. But I went to radio and and they gave to me, they gave a, one of these very professional recorders. I took it and I went to North to Olu. Olu was, I knew the place very well. My mother, he was from there. 
and I've been there several times in my childhood. Let's have a listen to the third movement of Cantus Arcticus, the Concerto for Birds and Orchestra. In fact, Radovara told me that this is like a dialogue in his mind between man and nature. We're going to hear the Helsinki Philharmonic Orchestra performing. Lake Sagerstam is the conductor. Music of Anuyahani Radovara.
music that was conceived as a dialogue between man and nature. We heard the last movement of the Concerto for Birds and Orchestra, Cantus Arcticus, by Anuhani Rautavara. He told me a funny story before we heard the music about how that piece came about. It was a commission for a cantata, and he thought, well... Nobody ever plays the cantata after its premiere, but he said that he wanted to do something different and had this idea of recording birds and incorporating that into the piece. And he actually went up to Lapland himself. This is from 1972, by the way. So this is an analog tape machine that he has, and he's recording the birds in Lapland. He even told me that some Finns that he talked to recognized the birds and the place just by hearing the birds. I think it would have been a big deal to incorporate birds into a concert setting back in 1972, but it was a wonderful idea, very, very well executed, of course, and now it's become one of his most performed pieces. Cantus Arcticus by Anna Yuhani Rautavara. We heard the Helsinki Philharmonic Orchestra with Leif Sagerstam conducting. Well, I can't think of a more apt way to close out a two-part series on the music of Finland than with Anu Yuhani Rautavara. And again, what an honor it was to be able to go to his home, uh, be welcomed by his wife, and really brought in, and to hear him talk about his life in music and his career. It's an incredible opportunity. And we're so grateful to all of the composers, whether we were in their homes or they were in our temporary apartment. We always felt very, very welcome. So thank you to Radio Finland, Music Finland, the Sibelius Academy, and our funders, both in Finland and here in the United States, for making this cross cross-cultural collaboration such a great success. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders. For more information about the program and the artists we featured, you can find us on Facebook, and you can hear this and all previous programs at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is brought to you in part by the generous support of GCM Grubner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. In the Field Finland was made possible with additional support from Finlandia Foundation National, the Finnish Music Foundation in Helsinki, and FinSpark. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.